This is T.M. Camp, and you're listening to the podcast edition of my novel, Assam and Darjeeling. Book One, Exiles. Chapter 13, Third Person Singular. She was still hungry. For the past couple of hours, she'd been telling her brother all about it. She began simply, complaining every few minutes, just a warm-up. Then, after an hour or so, she started to get more specific, identifying exactly what she was hungry for and describing in detail how things tasted and smelt and the sound they made in your head when you bit into them. Then, after she gave her brother a while to rest up and hope that she was finished, she began describing for him in quite a lot of detail what her stomach felt like, the sharp pain of it, the bubbling deep inside. And then, after another long silence, she went through it all again for him just in case he had missed something. Shut up, please, he said politely. I'm hungry. You're irritating. Aren't you hungry? He didn't answer. I am, she said. I'm very hungry. Very, very, very... The boy started paddling his crate towards shore, dragging her along behind him. Where are you going? He didn't answer. Once they were close enough to shore, he jumped out of his crate and waded through the shallow water to the trash-strewn, soggy bank. Where are you going? She yelled, standing up in her crate. It wobbled on the water, and for a moment she thought she was going to tip over. She sat down quickly and peered over the edge. Hey! Her brother was already halfway up the bank. He did not turn around. The girl knelt down, and, as best she could, she tried to paddle a bit closer to shore. Her arms were too short, and she could only swipe ineffectually at the surface of the water with her fingertips. She leaned over as far as she could, and the crate tipped, dumping her into the warm, pungent river. She stood up immediately and screamed. She was, except for her head, mostly completely soaked and furious. One of her arms was coated from the river bottom, and she flicked it distastefully, watching the dark mud plop back down into the shallow water. Still shrieking with rage, she stumbled to the shore. Her brother was nearly to the top of the bank. He turned, watching now, and grinning. She stomped her foot, immediately regretting it as a geyser of water and mud shot up and splattered down the right side of her snowsuit. She walked a few remaining feet to shore. Once there, she made an attempt to scrape off as much of the mud as she could. She picked up a few sheets of old newspaper and wiped at her legs, but gave up. Smearing the mud around didn't necessarily make her look any cleaner. Her brother was still watching, and, of course, he was still grinning. She shrugged, picked a damp leaf off of her sleeve, and sighed. She started up the bank after him. Halfway there, she looked up. If he's still got that stupid grin on his face when I get up there, she told herself, I'm going to punch it off for him. But he was gone. She hurried up to the top and found him standing a ways off, staring at a sign. It was larger than the one they'd found at Moontown. And nicer. For one thing, it was still standing, and it had little lights that ran along the outside edge, flashing. A lot of them were broken, she noticed, but still. The letters on the sign looped around each other like glass snakes, glowing red and gold. 
She tried to read them on her own, but she couldn't figure out where one letter ended and another began. Hating cursive more than ever, she looked to her brother. What's it say? You've got mud on your chin. He wasn't grinning, fortunately. She rubbed the heel of her hand across her face. Gone? It wasn't, but he nodded anyway and tried very hard not to smile. I fell in, she said. I saw. Thanks to you. He shrugged. Are you going to tell me what it says or aren't you? He looked back up to the sign and considered her question. He looked back to her. No, he said. I'm not. He started walking. After a long moment, she followed. They walked a very long way from the river for a very long time. So long, in fact, that G gave up complaining about it. She was too tired and too hungry, she decided, to think about anything except how tired and hungry she was. She even gave up annoying and punishing her brother for it all, which was saying something. After a time and a distance, her brother stopped and pointed across the flat, broad expanse towards something that glittered faintly on the horizon. She squinted, his sister said, squinting. She looked out and asked, what is it? He turned to look at her. What are you doing? She looked back up to her brother and smiled. I've decided to narrate our adventure, she told him. Good for you. You could do some too, she said. It's fun, she told him. I'm not sure that trying to rescue our mom before she dies is what I would call fun, he said, ignoring his idiot sister and walking on without her. He said to her. Spoil sport, she said. She said. Her brother didn't reply. Her brother replied. They walked on in silence for a long moment, the girl said after a while. She didn't know where they were going, and she was pretty sure that he didn't either. Her brother didn't respond. After a moment, she said, her brother didn't answer. He was too stuck up and pig-headed to admit that they were lost, hungry, and almost for sure to end up even worse. I've decided to narrate for you as well, she told him, since you won't play along. Thank you, he said. In fact, the girl thought to herself, it was kind of ironic that her brother's code name... Code name? he interrupted. His code name, Assam, contained her own secret name for him she said. Nice. She ignored him and kept walking, she said, not really ignoring him. A long while later, she said, as they approached, she could see that the shimmering on the horizon was a building, metal and flat. Her brother said nothing. Soon after that, she said, the building they saw as they grew closer was shaped like a long silver tube with windows along one side. The girl thought it looked a little bit like a train and said so. She turned to him. It looks a little bit like a train. It's a diner, her brother told her. There were a handful of cars parked out in front of the diner. They made their way through the cars, rusty and old, the girl said, stopping for a moment to get the lay of the land. There was a large neon sign on top of the building, 
doing its best to compete with the pale, sunless sky. G studied the sign intently, the girl said. She hated cursive with all of her heart and would rather eat broken glass than ask for her brother's help, but she turned to him and asked, What's it say? He slowly turned and looked at her. Okay, okay, I'm done now, she said. What's it say? It's a restaurant, a diner. G's mouth began to water. She would have run for the door if her brother hadn't stopped her. Wait. What? It's just that in the stories, he was interrupted by his stomach rumbling like distant thunder. What about them? He didn't answer. Come on. Her brother followed her through the haphazard maze of old cars. Four concrete steps led up to the door at the front of the diner. A man sat at the bottom, strumming a guitar. He looked up at them as they approached. He had a long face, a pair of round spectacles resting on the bridge of his pointed nose, and a kind smile. Hello, children. He laid his palm flat against the guitar strings to silence them. Hello, the boy said. Hi, his sister added. His eyes sparkled over the rims of his glasses. You're a long way from home. His hands moved gently on the strings and he hummed for a moment, his voice rich and sweet. They looked at him, then at each other. If you say so, the girl replied. He stopped playing and raised his eyebrows. A very long way by the sound of it, living girl. What's that song you're playing? she asked him watching his fingertips dance on the strings. The tune sounded familiar, somehow. The man played a bit more. Do you like it? Uh-huh, she said. What's it called? The man shrugged, sticking his bottom lip out. I don't know. Did you just make it up? Do you like music? The man asked her. The girl nodded. I'm learning the piano at school. He smiled. That's grand love. Grand old piano. It wasn't much of a joke, but the boy snickered. His sister looked up at him, annoyed. She didn't get it. He shrugged, and she turned back to the musician. Will you sing it for me? She asked him. Your song? He shook his head. Can't be done, love. Why not? Well, for starters, it's not finished yet. And it's got no words. Didn't you write any? She asked. I didn't. Why not? I was waiting. For inspiration? The boy asked. In a way, the man smiled, sounding a little sad. I was waiting for my sons. I've been saving the song for them, for when they get here, one to finish the tune, and the other write the words to go along with it. Gee stared frankly into his kind eyes. How long have you been waiting? He nodded. Years and years, love. Years and years. But I don't mind so much. Why not? The longer I have to wait, the longer their life is. And I don't want either of them showing up before it's time, before the song is ready for them. His mouth set firmly in a thin line for a moment. He stopped playing studying the ground beneath his feet. After a moment, he looked up at her and said, 
You're here too soon, little sister. What would your mum say if she could see you now? The girl swallowed against the sudden lump in her throat. I, I, I don't know, she said, looking to her brother. I don't know what she'd say. The thin man started playing again. She wouldn't be happy to see you. Not here, he told her. Not at all. Behind them, a car pulled into the lot and came to a halt with a rattling lurch. An old man got out and walked slowly towards them. Excuse me, he said as he squeezed by them, his feet sounding hollow on the steps. The boy blinked. The musician followed his gaze. Don't worry, brother. It's not who you think it is. The boy watched the old man go into the diner. He had hooves. The musician smiled wryly. You don't miss a thing, do you, brother? What do you call yourself? His name is... The girl began, but the man quickly laid his long, lean finger across her lips. Oh, he told her, mock sternly. You weren't about to tell some stranger your names now, were you? The girl nodded, and he took his finger away. Best not to trust people quite so easily, not with anything, let alone your precious names. Don't you know the stories? He looked up at the boy. You know the stories, don't you, brother? The boy nodded. The man leaned back, letting his fingers play across the strings. So then, what are you called? Um, a psalm, the boy answered. The musician smiled and looked to the girl. I knew, sister, would that make you oolong, maybe? Or little Miss Pico, perhaps? Darjeeling, she told him. You can call me G. The musician laughed, natural and warm. And so I shall. I certainly shall. Thank you for playing your song for us. The girl smiled and leaned forward to kiss his cheek. Come on, she said to her brother. I'm hungry. The boy nodded to the musician. Goodbye. So long. The musician nodded as they walked past him up the steps. Once they had gone, he laid his fingertips on his cheek where G had kissed him. He started playing again, an old song this time, one he'd written years before, a simple tune for his grandmother, back when he was still alive. Half of what I say is meaningless, he half sang in a soft whisper. A tear rolled down the side of his long nose, yet he couldn't help but smile. You've been listening to Assam and Darjeeling, written and performed by T.M. Camp. A new chapter from the book is available each week, free to download at the iTunes Store. To find out more about Assam and Darjeeling, to read my weblog, or to send me your questions and feedback, visit my website at www.tmcamp.com. I hope to hear from you. Thank you for listening. I'll talk to you soon.
This podcast was written, performed, and produced by T.M. Camp and may not be copied, distributed, transcribed, or otherwise reproduced without his express written permission. Violators will be spanked like the naughty, naughty little bitches they are, their firm pink buttocks aglow with the shame of their transgression. Unless otherwise noted, all contents of this production are copyright 2007. T.M. Camp. All rights reserved.